Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with uh, most of the guys. We got Roger, we got John, we got myself, Bob, uh, Neil Boron, not with us today. We look forward to having Neil back with us next week. Guys, how are you? Great. Doing well, Bob. How are you? Uh, good. Thank you. Um, by the way, did anybody watch the riveting State of the Union address? Did you subject yourself to it, guys? It's homework. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I got the cliff notes. How about that? <laughs> Did you? I'm sitting there. This is how pathetic I am. I'm sitting there with a clipboard and piece of paper on it so I can just take notes. You know, here's something. My eye twitch is, oh, let me pause, write, in, write down a note about that, respond to it. And it's, I know. It's like we can't even have a night off. It is a work night thing to be sure. Uh, before we talk about the Russia-Ukraine thing, because that's the bulk of what we're going to discuss in this uh, podcast episode. And so a lot of different things to – to address regarding Ukraine, uh, President Biden last night did address Ukraine. But before Ukraine, what do you think about the overall uh, speech itself uh, last night? It was really kind of surreal to watch. By the way, just a reminder, uh, don't forget the science regarding masks coincidentally changed right before Done. the uh, – exactly. over, Bob. I know. And so all of the people right now that are still being forced to wear masks watching last night as, hey, what do you know? The science magically changed for the CDC on Friday, right before the State of the Union, and then for the House of Representatives and Congress on Sunday. It just – it exposes what a sham this entire theater. thing has theater, been. It's exactly. It, it is totally political theater. These masks have been political props and I just hope that more and more people are seeing through that. But uh, anyway, I last night I thought it was it was boring. It was uninspiring. He was a doddering old man trying to uh, formulate his words as he worked his way through it. You had Nancy Pelosi with just the weird, crazy ticks yeah, that deal? she was doing. Yeah, I don't was know. What, 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 was, what was the, the mitt dance that she was doing? What was yeah, all that? I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure that out. You know exactly. What, what you're, you're rubbing your knuckles now, and, and you're doing. And, and so I'm trying to figure all of she that on out. Drugs? Was she high? What was going on? I know. And then on top of that, you've got uh, Joe Biden just telling some blatant whoppers of lies, like uh, him claiming that you know, as he said, "quote For the past four years, we were told, you know, Trump's term that tax breaks for those at the top would trickle down, but trickle down they led to weaker economic growth, lower wages." I'm like. Are you kidding me? You're going to say that Donald Trump had weaker economic growth, lower wages, and that the tax breaks were just for those at the top, even the Washington Post gave that claim of his three Pinocchios when he made that during his campaign. So uh, I don't know. Very uninspiring. Uh, this was a chance, I think, for him to kind of reset and go, all right, let's Let's figure out we're really on the wrong track, so we're going to completely reset everything. No, he didn't. I think his script no. writers just uh, jumbled together a whole bunch of left-wing talking points. Let's try to get it all in. And yep. so I don't think he moved any needles for himself at all in any positive nope. way. What's your take, John, from last uh, night? Well, and I was surprised. I said on air yesterday, 
really that I thought he would be super polished. He wouldn't have any stumbles. There wouldn't be any issues. And I'm eating my words this morning because he had <laughs> numerous stumbles. You know, the vaccine wall, uh, calling the uh, Ukrainians the Uranians. I mean, there was numerous things he did. You know, I'll give a pass here or there, but you could just tell it just wasn't as as polished as I thought. I thought they'd really have that dialed into where he had no missteps whatsoever. And there were times where you could see him even searching for words, and they're right in front of him on the teleprompter. Right. Oh, I know. It was it was really incredible to watch. Roger, what was uh, what was your take from last night? Uh, disappointing in the sense that for everything you guys both just said, you would imagine this is a home game for him. He has the opportunity. Half of the country who who follows him basically. I mean, the approval rating is is well going into last night. He had the second lowest approval rating of any president going into their first State of the Union at the midterms. I mean, you realize that it was kind of a fifty fifty for Barack Obama in two thousand ten. Donald Trump, of course, had his detractors, and so he has the all time lowest approval rating of any president going into a midterm. But Biden is only a couple points above Trump's. I mean, and this this is a whole different ballgame. It's not the personality that people are critiquing. It, it's the policies. And the fact that he has this opportunity to do what he said he was going to do during the campaign, what he said he was going to do on Election Day, what he said he was going to do at his inauguration, which is bring the country together. And instead, to just go back to partisan uh, talking points, I mean, the fact that he, he couldn't even muster the fact that uh, – He's being attacked and being assailed, and I think rightfully so. We're going to talk about this more, the way he's handled the Ukraine situation, the, the caveats that the United States has offered, and yet some of the things that have not been done, that's just one small sliver of the uh, large pie that's about to get thrown in Joe Biden's face again, I think, during the midterms. And uh, yesterday, he, unfortunately, he, he failed to deliver, but it wasn't surprising. But it, with the New York Times headline this morning was, Joe Biden defends democracy. You know, Donald Trump was a threat to democracy, but Joe Biden's good. If that's all they've got, then even they <laughs> thought it was a dud. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Well, he uh, – which, by the way, I'm still trying to figure out some of the things that he – what was he talking about? Like, for example, at the very end, did you notice the last thing he said when he when he finished his speech is like, thank you, thank you very much. Go get and then him. he turns around, go get, go get him. Who's him? Yeah. First of all, who are we supposed to get, GIT? Who are we supposed to get? Was it Congress is supposed to go get him and who's M? Uh, I, I just, I, I was like, wow, okay. Uh, you know, and but, real quick, the other thing I want to yeah. make sure that we uh, make sure that people around their own water cooler, you know, over the next, you know, few days can, can, you know, talk to as well. All of this talk of he created or they created six and a half million new jobs. Oh. No, they didn't. Oh, no. Oh, I know. Those are jobs that just came back, you know, you know, post COVID. Those are not new jobs at all. Right. And they're not all of the jobs. That, that's, no. the, that's the amazing thing. There's still three million less jobs, okay, than there were when, when he took over here. So it's like, uh, no, if if you lose, if you lose ten million jobs, and you bring back six and a half million of them, and you haven't brought back the other three and a right. half, then guess You're what? You short. didn't create. Yeah, you didn't now, create six now, wait a minute, and a half million new jobs. Wait a minute, well, Bob. You've never been shopping with your wife before, have you? You know, oh, honey, okay. look at all the money I saved you. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like going to right. Hey, I got right. this on <laughs> sale. <laughs> it was five hundred dollars. Now it's only three hundred. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. I'll do, uh, bad news. I'm the one who actually does that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because what I'll do is I'll buy like some new antique or something for my uh, for my office, and uh, and I'll be like, yeah, but uh, 
honey, this was they, they were wanting four hundred dollars for it, and I managed to get it for just two fifty. So look, I saved us one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's like don't try your feeble Jedi mind tricks on me; it won't work. The other thing was the you know the, the releasing the sixty million barrels out of the reserve oh. you know worldwide. It's like okay, we use twenty point six million barrels right. a day as a country. That, that's that's no offense, guys. That's that's just a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. Yeah, it's three days. It basically made it made it out. Okay, you know what? We're going to supply three days worth from our reserves. And that's going to really mention- lower gas prices. No, yeah. it won't. And it depletes our reserves. I mean, it's Correct. one thing, but, but I know. So I just wow. And then he said it with such forcefulness too, uh, like he was bold and it's like here's a probably the the teleprompter probably said on it. Lean in for emphasis on this yep. point. I'm surprised yep. he didn't read that bracketed part. What well, was is Keystone Pipeline too big to fit on the teleprompter? I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> Apparently. What's the problem here? I mean, my goodness, he shoots himself in the foot with regard to oil production, cutting back left and right, catering and pandering to the climate control police, mm-hmm. and then we wind up buying more fuel from Russia. We have a conflict with Russia, and what does he do? Uh, 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 release the secret weapon, you know. And here comes the three day supply of oil from the strategic reserve. It, it's just, I mean, come on, I, I had Econ one hundred and one. That's about as far as it goes for me. And even I can figure this one out. I don't yeah, know why his advisors can't. Hey, he released the kraken. You know, I mean, three days. <laughs> For <laughs> the boil. Uh, now you had you had Congresswoman uh, Bobert who had a a heckle moment. Now look, I'm not a fan of of you know violating protocol during the State of the Union address, whether it's uh, Joe Wilson's old uh, you lie or whether it's Nancy Pelosi standing up and tearing up President Trump's right. uh, State of the Union address, which is extremely disrespectful. Uh, but I can also. Well, while I don't, I don't want us to turn into the European or the Canadian Parliament, okay, where everybody's harumph harumph, you know, during the. But, uh, but I can understand her frustration here when Joe Biden is actually talking about Afghanistan, but he doesn't talk about Afghanistan with the in the context of the botched job that he did and stranding Americans over there and handing uh, the Afghanistan government over to terrorists, the Taliban, leaving $85 billion worth of our military equipment over there and then pretty much uh, allowing 13 of our U.S. soldiers to get killed. Well, when he ignores all of that, and he talks about, well, you know, exposure to uh, various, you know, chemicals and toxins and burn things pits. like that. And yeah, burn pits. And, you know, that may, you know, and you're, you're getting, see, that's going to cause soldiers to come back in cl- flag draped coffins. And are you kidding me? There were 13 flag draped coffins that came back over because of his botched handling of Afghanistan. And you're going to try to, you're going to ignore that. And try to make your son a victim of Afghanistan and play that card. And so I, I can understand her frustration in when she blurted out, you did it. You know, you, it, 13 of them. It was your fault. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, I thought it was incredibly audacious, some of the stuff that he said last night. I really do. I agree. You know, the other thing too, real quick, guys, that I hope everybody is listening understands this whole field of dreams, the $20 billion Intel chip factory, which, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll create 10,000 jobs. That's all fine and dandy. But just last Friday, the Intel CEO warned that chi- the chip shortage is going to last until at least 2023. So the reality is that's not going to do anything immediately. Right. That's a good point. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and then we're going to dive into the whole Russia-Ukraine situation. Uh, coming up next as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible verse by verse through in-depth attention to the Word of God. 
You can listen to Truth For Life on many Crawford radio stations or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at truthforlife.org or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, with Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, uh, Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York will be back with us next week. Uh, so let's uh, pivot, guys. Let's uh, hey, let's circle back, Jensaki, to, uh, to to Ukraine and Russia. President Biden last night in the State of the Union address, he did address, of course, uh, Russia, or Russia and Ukraine. A lot of tough talk, but to me, the thing to really examine here, guys, is how we ended up in this situation in the first place. Joe Biden has completely bungled foreign policy as it relates to this. And so I just, I want to throw my thoughts out on the table here and then let's, let's go around the table uh, and discuss this. First of all, uh, energy and weakness, I would say, are the two big things that contributed to the mess that we're in in Ukraine right now and what the people are going through over there. Uh, first of all, regarding weakness, when Joe Biden bungled Afghanistan the way that he did, when he pulled us out of there after the Taliban violated the agreement that was set up with the Trump administration and started expanding and taking over Afghanistan. And Biden went ahead and let them do it and then turned tail and ran. And then Afghanistan, the Taliban says, get out of here uh, by such and such a date. And Biden is like, okay, we will. And we ran out of there, had our Saigon moment, tail between our legs, abandoning hundreds of Americans over there, $85 billion worth of military equipment. Hey, you know what? You take it. We're just out of there. Uh, uh, When that happened, I remember saying on my show, you don't think Vladimir Putin is noticing this? You don't think Xi Jinping is noticing this? The weakness on display? Uh, Xi Jinping is like, oh man, taking Taiwan is going to be easy. And Putin's going to be like, oh man, taking Ukraine is going to be easy under Biden. So you've got that weakness on the world stage. Add to that the energy issue. I mean, my goodness. Uh, Joe Biden, he approves Vladimir Putin's Nord Stream 2, but he disapproves of the United States Keystone Pipeline. And so let's not tap into our own oil and gas. Let's get rid of our own energy independence so that we're more dependent upon Russia and so are our European allies and everybody else. And that's the big thing that Russia exports. That's where their biggest source of revenue comes from, oil and gas. So Joe Biden just gave one massive gift to Vladimir Putin by saying, uh, you be the supplier of oil and gas around the world, including to us and our European allies. We won't be anymore. And hey, I'll go ahead and green light and end the sanctions on your Nord Stream 2 pipeline on top of it all. My goodness. It's like Putin had to be high-fiving with all of his Yeah, It wasn't, his team. It wasn't just a dollar gift. It's billions and billions of right. billions of dollars in gifts. Because for those listening, and we said this last week, we got some comments back that we were very wrong in our thought process, which, by the way, guys, we are not wrong. No, in we're not process. wrong. Not at all. If, if Donald Trump were president and we were energy independent like we were when he was in office and oil was around 
around the you know thirty five to forty five dollar a barrel, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been lining the pockets of Russia and Putin these last couple of years. And the reality is, he wouldn't have the coffers, the cash reserves, to do what he's doing right now in Ukraine. Furthermore, what Ukraine has in gas and oil wouldn't be as enticing to go after, which is partly what he's doing as well here. So the reality is, yes, if Donald Trump were president, we would be in much better shape economically speaking. Inflation would be in check. We'd have better energy prices. We'd be energy independent, and Putin wouldn't be doing this. That's right. And Putin wouldn't be collecting a billion dollars a day selling the oil that he is. And by the way, Joe Biden, in just his first year in office, more than doubled the crude oil purchases from Russia. More right. than double the amount of crude right. oil that we buy from Russia. It's like, and, and we're still buying more than double of the crude oil from Russia right now. It's just it makes my eye twitch. Your 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 thoughts on how we got into this mess, Roger? It's pretty obvious and it's it's, it's really a shame when you think Six months ago, remember, President Zelensky is sitting in the White House. He's sitting in the Oval Office meeting with Joe Biden, having conversations, giving the press pictures, you know, showing everyone, hey, we've got this unified front here. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is literally, you know, doing everything he can to keep carving hole after hole after hole in the dam until the water eventually just kind of blows it on through. The energy th- thing just fascinates me. The fact that uh, he's so beholden to the climate police, the uh, the politically left and the progressive wokeism. I, I was watching uh one of the reactions, I think it was uh, AOC last night after the State of the Union address. And now we have a Republican response, you know, because the Democrats are in power. But then we also have a progressive response. You know, right. was he left enough? And and she said, no, he didn't address any of our campaign issues. And one of them, of course, is this Green New Deal. And the fact that they have no trouble saying, let's go ahead and up our, you know, the ante. And let, let's let's make ourselves more beholden to Russia. Or I keep, want to keep calling them the Soviet Union because that's mm. what it looks like they're trying to. Re- let's get the old block back together. You know, and it just it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense that the U.S. is stand, not only standing idly by, but actually is a willing participant. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, you know, uh, quote, right. which I don't know if it's real or fabricated, but it's so true as to what President Zelensky is dealing with right now. And here's President Biden standing back, arms folded, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, oh, boy, Russia hasn't seen the what well, they don't know what they did because, boy, we're going to show them what real strength looks like. No, you're about 10 days or six months or several trillion dollars too late for that. Yeah. Right. With all oh, I know. Back, I mean, you, you've, right. you've literally, literally pulled the plug on the dam and the water's just pouring everywhere. I should say the oil is pouring everywhere. Right. But which, by the way, I'm having a hard time understanding um, all of the reasons, all of the environmentalist reasons why the Keystone Pipeline had to be canceled. Do, not, do those environmental concerns not exist over between Russia and Germany? I guess I'm having a hard time understanding why we need to protect the environment and global warming and everything else uh, here in America by canceling Keystone Pipeline. But those principles don't apply. I guess it's like COVID, right? You don't get uh, – before the State of the Union, then you're not – you know, Different COVID theater. particles know. Right? COVID particles, somehow they know. The COVID viruses know, oh, wait, that's a Hollywood celebrity. Oh, wait, that's a sports star. Oh, wait, that's a Democrat politician. So, therefore, I can't infect them. So, uh, You can't also be infected at a restaurant when you're sitting down and eating. Well, this the minute is true. you sit down, the, the particles can't get you. The minute you stand back up again, by golly, you better put that mask well, on. Or, or on a plane, by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. When everybody's on the plane in this tube, uh, okay, and so everybody's got their mask on, but now they pass out the food. And when they pass out the food, everybody puts their masks down as they're eating and exhaling. <laughs> okay, and so there's this big plume of everybody's breath all mixed together in the plane. Now, you're done eating? Get your mask back up for the sake of safety because we follow the science. 
All right. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do this. I want to talk about uh, a lot more regarding Ukraine and specifically Volodymyr Zelensky and what's going on there. We're going to continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron be back with us next week. Okay, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, before we even get to Volodymyr Zelensky, is this just incredible, guys, watching the courage of the Ukrainian people, uh, the patriotism and courage that's on display? Uh, and, and I wonder, I wonder if, if this were happening in America, could we get this from Generation Z in this country or from half the millennials? Because keep in mind, Generation Z in this country, these are the ones that needed emotional support puppies in college because they couldn't handle Donald Trump getting elected, and they're triggered by somebody saying Cinco de Mayo. And so you wonder – uh, to me, it's amazing to watch on full display the Ukrainian people uh, fighting the way that they are. I mean, they're, they're making Molotov cocktails in their kitchens to throw at Russian soldiers coming at them. They're like, no, you, you know, get off our land. Uh, and I just – I'll tell you what. I find it honestly really inspiring to see, uh, to, to see their courage on display over there in Ukraine. Yeah, it's amazing when you think about what was the uh, the the Chechen sniper group, the 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 elitist uh, oh, Russian yeah. snipers who were They've been wiped out. <laughs> they they they're there to do one job, and the one job is to assassinate the president of Ukraine, and they get wiped out by these citizen renegades. I, I love those types of stories, and it's interesting because we're hearing from the left already. Oh well, you know what's happening? I mean, uh, the the the. Trump-loving uh, right-wing supporters are winning the propaganda war because they keep putting up stock photos of girls with guns, et cetera, et cetera, and showing the Ukrainians, hey, no, I, I, I'm trusting the missionaries on this one, the people who are sending back, you know, those kind of grainy pictures of this is what happened in this village, this, you know, this got wiped out, what was it, the, uh, their Holocaust uh, memorial got uh, bombed yesterday. Oh. It's, just, it's, a, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening, but amidst the death and destruction and the rubble, when you see and hear these stories of what's actually happening, it, it is really awe-inspiring Guys, I don't know about you, but have you ever asked yourself over the past couple of days, if this were happening in the U.S., would Americans draw up arms the same way the Ukrainians are? I know. I, I, I have asked myself that. I, 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 I do so. believe some – I think some example. would. Some yeah. would, and it's a great example, too, guys, of, of why, you know, in this country, the Second Amendment is so important and why an armed citizenry, you know, you always hear from the left that there's no way that we, you know, we as an armed citizenry can ever defend ourselves from, you know, those military powers. Well, um, that's what's going on in Ukraine as we speak. So the reality is, yeah, you can. Yeah, you, you really can. Uh, by the way, I, when I look at Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, it's, it, this is a remarkable Fascinating guy to look at here. Now he's he's Jewish, by the way, but he also uh, was a very well known and very popular stand up comedian, uh, movie star, and TV star in the Ukrainian version of Hollywood. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the the. He was on the Ukrainian Dancing with the Stars, which, by the way, you know, really 
good dancer, actually. Uh, but he's kind of Ukrainian's version of Adam Sandler, you know, a really goofy, uh, funny comedian kind of guy. But he runs for president. And what's fascinating about him, too, is that uh, he, he starred in his own TV show, popular TV show in Ukraine. And it's, it was called Servant of the People. And what, what it's about is he plays a high school teacher and this high school teacher through a weird series of crazy happenstance gets, gets basically recruited and thrust into the position of president of Ukraine and the, all the comedy hijinks of this high school teacher who now has to figure out how to be the president of Ukraine in a very popular sitcom uh, over there in Ukraine. This was just in 2015, 2016 that he was doing this show over there. And now he's actually really the president of Ukraine. And I, I have to say, though, to, to see – if you watched any of his old clips, like for, they did the, the Ukrainian version of the Academy Awards, okay? And he's done some really goofy, crazy things just having the audience rolling on the floor. And to see this man now and the sober – and courageous nature with which he's doing his job, staying there, uh, knowing full well that he very possibly could get killed. They're trying to assassinate him, but he refuses to go into exile, refuses to leave. I'm going to stay with my people. I'm going to stay and fight. Uh, And then watching his speech to the European Union and getting a standing ovation, which – Honestly, guys, I look at the European Union and I'm like, hey, it's nice you're giving them a standing ovation. But where have you been for the last few years, especially right. when Trump was trying to get you to take right. take them more seriously over in uh, in Russia? But I don't know, John, your, your thoughts on Volodymyr Zelensky? You know, everything you just said spot on. I mean, it's really – it's almost like they're Ronald Reagan, if you would. I mean, you know, they've yeah. got this guy that was in their Hollywood that's now the president and is not like he was – in that in that realm at all, he's a completely different individual. He's a, he's you know he, let's face it, he's a solid leader. And you know the other thing I think we should address, maybe we can do this when we come back from uh, the you know the break, uh, Bob is you know, there's a lot of folks out there, Christians, conservatives alike, saying oh you know Putin should be going in there. He needs to be cleaning up Ukraine. It's just full of corruption and blah blah blah. And you know I said on my show yesterday that if you use that excuse every time you wanted mm. to invade a country, you know the United States would get invaded as right. well because every country has it inside of it. So folks listening to me, please, please, please do not use that as an excuse for Putin. Right. That's a very good point, which, by the way, let me just say, Zelensky, uh, part of his job coming in there was to clean up the right. corruption. That was one That's of the right. things that Trump was in Trump's infamous phone call that he had with Zelensky. Uh, he was telling him, look, I, we don't want to be giving good money after bad. OK, we want to co- keep supporting you guys, but I got to make sure you're going to be cleaning up the corruption there. And yes, part of that corruption happens to be the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden corruption thing right. uh, as well. So what, he's not allowed to mention that. So I, Ukraine did have a really horrible reputation for corruption. I don't think it would be fair or right to take the corruption of the past and automatically assume it uh, in the present. That doesn't mean it's not there, 
But so far at this point, I think Zelensky Bob, has been incredibly. Bob, it's in every country. So I mean, that yeah. I know. Given. It's in every country. No, so, I, I know. It never gives You're right. another country the right to invade the country next door. Exactly. Think it's corrupt. I could not agree with you more. Let's do this. Bottom of the hour. We're going to continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. And if you're not able to listen to the second half on your regular radio station, then listen online. You can go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll continue next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, with Roger Marsh from the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live Buffalo, New York. Neil will be back with us next week. We're talking about all things Russia and Ukraine. Uh, right now talking about Volodymyr Zelensky and what a, what a profile and courage this man is showing to go from a, a kind of goofy stand-up comedian, a shtickish kind of guy, uh, really, like I say, an, an almost Adam Sandler-ish kind of comedian in Ukraine to this sober Roger, this sober, uh, uh, courageous president who is standing and fighting for his people. Uh, what an incredible inspiration that he is, I think, worldwide and we're watching the world basically unite behind Ukraine and at the same time turning Vladimir Putin into a pariah. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there aren't international uh, co- uh, criminal court charges leveled against Putin at some point. Yeah, you know, it'd be, it's, it's interesting to me, especially here in the States, to see how the left is responding to the Zelensky uh, situation here. These right. profiles encourage that that are being decried by many people on the left. Well, these are photo ops, and he's an actor, and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, aren't you the same people who get your news of the world from Trevor Noah? I mean, aren't you the same people who worship <laughs> right. John Stewart? I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, this is basically the equivalent of a John Stewart type of guy becoming president or maybe even a reality TV star becoming president. Oh, wait, that already right. happened. I mean, yeah. and, and look what happened under uh, four years of a reality TV star as president of the United States. He has the infamous phone call with Zelensky and says, look, we're holding up this this uh, uh, the, this aid until we can get some assurances that you're actually going to go after Hunter Biden. And what was the thanks he got for that? He was impeached. I mean, right. the, the, tell me the left doesn't protect its own. I mean, and the, if it weren't, I say this just about every program now. If it weren't for double standards, the left would have no standards at all. I, I right. love seeing what uh, what Zelensky is doing. Uh, the profiles about his wife, about his children, how wonderful they are. The fact that the United States response initially was, "We will airlift you to safety. You know, we'll we'll keep you at Camp David." He said, "I don't need safety. I don't need a ride. I need more <laughs> weapons. I need oil. I need right. resources. I need something." That's what presidents do. That's what leaders do in a time of crisis they're willing to put on the flak jacket pick up the ar-15 or whatever kind of weapon they have at hand or, or go into the kitchen make a molotov cocktail and defend what they've got and and the fact that this is happening and so many people in worldwide are being inspired by it i think is very very encouraging i'd love to see criminal charges against vladimir putin because i think he's insane quite frankly i mean the fact that he's mm-hmm. so delusional that he thought he could come in and have his own I mean, he must be getting reading donald rumsfeld's old playbook hey let's just go in there and do shock and off for four days we'll get saddam hussein and be out of iraq and eight years later we still had troops there and we didn't we were i mean we made progress but we it wasn't nearly what he thought he was going to get dealing with you know all sorts of terrorists i think that the idea now that you can actually 
potentially at least choke the head of the snake, if not cut the head of the snake off, it, it's within reach. And sure, they're going to take a battering. And sure, their cities are just going to keep getting hammered. That's where the West needs to step up and say, okay, we will be here. We will provide troops. We're not sending 7,000 troops to Germany like President Biden did last week in response to an attack in Ukraine. We're going to do what we need to do to stop that. We're right. not going to buy Russian oil. We're going to put the strict economic sanctions. We're not going to say, ooh, we got their oligarchs and we're going to take their yachts from them. Okay, that's, that's a part of the plan, but it has to be comprehensive. And right now, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm not convinced that the Biden White House really wants a comprehensive plan that says we are all pro-Zelensky right now and anti-Putin. Yeah. Well, well, we can't because China's pulling the strings here, guys. And you know we yeah. already know where the Biden administration is when it comes to China. And while everything you said, Roger, I agree with, the problem is Putin's answering to China, and they're the ones calling the shots right now. Sorry, that's my philosophy. Yeah, no, no, and, and I, I agree with you. I mean, we, we can have this you know, co- cognitive dissonance here with regard to that. And, and as much as we are getting revved up and amped up about Russia versus Ukraine, this is just the opening bill. I mean, the main act is China and Taiwan, and we have to be mindful of what happens when that happens, because I don't think it's a question of if any. That's right. And you know something, though? For the last... For the last several months, okay, really for almost the last year, as soon as Vladimir Putin put his first troops on the Ukrainian border last year, as soon as he started doing that, right then is when, okay, let's go back. If Trump were in office, all right, I think that Trump would have right away, uh, Barney Fife, nipped that in the bud and say, uh, you know what, sanction after sanction after sanction, we're going to go heavy and heavy. Oh, and by the way, while we're at it, uh, let's start arming Ukraine now. Here's an idea. Maybe we can get the Taliban to loan us $85 billion worth of military equipment that we can ship over <laughs> to uh, to Ukraine. But you know what? We should have been loading them. We should have been loading them up with stingers and with javelins and with, uh, with uh, all kinds of stuff over the course of the last several months to basically send a message to Putin. Hey, you know what? Go ahead and keep building up your forces because look how we are arming right now Ukraine. You really want to go into this? Okay, back off, back off now. Get your troops off the border or we're just going to increase more and more sanctions right now. Get it. But, but no, none of that. For, for us to now be playing catch up, there, there, it is inexcusable for Zelensky to be begging for arms to say, we don't have enough ammunition. We're running out of ammunition. Could you please get us some more? That is inexcusable when we have all of our European allies over there, NATO nations and the United States, and we've had nearly a year to stock them up and to prepare for this, and we haven't done that. This is Biden weakness, and Putin well, just so, has to be laughing. So when is Joe Biden going to be impeached for withholding aid? I'm, I know. That's you know what? That is true. That is true. Uh all right, Never. so I know. <laughs> I know that was rhetorical. No. Still, I mean if you're good at it's good for the goose. I mean it's it's remarkable to see how this is playing out, but uh I, I, and quite the opposite. It's not that he was withholding aid in certain areas. He was actually making it more difficult for Ukraine with these crony deals with Russia and keeping an eye on China and 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 understanding. I think it was Condoleezza Rice was on one of the uh, the news talker shows over the weekend, and she, she summarized the whole situation perfectly. When someone asked, "Well, would this have happened on Donald Trump's watch?" and she said, "No, there's no way that Donald Trump in the White House, Putin's pulling these kind of stunts." But now that he has pulled these kind of stunts, you're probably better off with Joe Biden dealing with the NATO countries than with Donald Trump because he hated them and they hated him. I mean, quite right. frankly, he, he wasn't going to negotiate with them. So it's not, you know, the, it's it's kind of the uh, rock or the hard place, but uh, it, she pretty much summarized where we are. We wouldn't be in this situation if Trump were in office, but now that we are in this situation, 
if you have to choose the lesser of two evils, it's President Biden sitting down with NATO and trying to figure out what to do to help these people that we've been hurting for the past year. Right. You know, I I haven't really followed the boxing scene that much. I didn't really know this. But if I ask you to name uh, former heavyweight champions of the world, most people are going to come up with Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, maybe Joe Lennox Frazier. Lewis, Frazier. Joe Frazier, certainly. Uh, right. There was uh, Vander Holyfield. OK. But one of the names that a lot of people don't really know is Vitaly Klitschko. Vitaly Klitschko was the, the heavyweight champion of the world for over 10 years up until just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And he happens to be from Ukraine. Okay. And so this is the world heavyweight champion is WBO and WBC, uh, or WBA, I think one of them, uh, two of them actually, a world heavyweight champion. And turns out he's the mayor of Kiev. He's a sports figure who's a gazillionaire who decided to go into politics and now he's the mayor of Kiev, which of course Kiev is the, the Washington DC of Ukraine. And what what does he he doesn't go into exile either. He put on a military uniform and he's out there fighting with the soldiers, uh fighting against the Russians. And then his brother Vladimir Klitschko also was the world heavyweight boxing champion of the world, but at different times than his older brother. And now he is also serving in the military. And interestingly enough, these two have never fought each other because of a promise that their mother made them make to her that they would never fight each other in the ring. So they actually never have. But so the two former world heavyweight boxing champions are right now uh, fighting over there with uh, the other Ukrainians. So it just – yeah. Who knew? I, I did not even know that the world heavyweight boxing champion was the mayor of Kiev. Uh, but you know, just it's—I'm telling you—it's it's, a—it's a crazy thing going on over there. So I wanted to get that on the table. But what I want to talk with you guys about next—we're going to take a break. What do we do? Okay, we—we've addressed. What Biden should have done that he hasn't done. How Trump would have handled this differently. We should never have been in the position that we are. Okay, but the bottom line is this is where we are. What do we do? Do we consider militarily getting involved as well? We're going to explore all of that on this other side of this break here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on many Crawford radio stations or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron, be back with us next week talking about all things Russia and Ukraine. Okay, I, uh, guys, I'm curious to get your take on this. Uh, and John, maybe I can start with you. I did a topic with my uh, listeners on the show this week about the 40-mile-long convoy right. of Russian tanks and trucks and everything else that's uh, heading to uh, Kiev. And actually, they've made it to Kiev, but they're just sitting there. It's like, did they they're run out of gas? The city right now. Yeah, yeah it's like, what are they else. waiting on? Yeah. But it's a 40-mile-long convoy, and their intention is clearly to go in there and just completely turn Kiev into Beirut or post-World War II or something like that. So – uh, and a lot of people are going to get killed. And so I asked my audience, 
is do you think that we should actually take out that convoy? Because if we fire missiles, we can fire drone missiles at that convoy. We can take out the road ahead of them. We can take out those. But if we do, we're going to be killing Russian soldiers. And if we kill Russian soldiers, uh, let's face it, Russia is going to retaliate. And now we're officially in war with Russia. And if we go to war with Russia, they're going to attack our NATO nation. So NATO's involved now, of course. Uh, it, there's no way that China's going to sit by and allow Russia to take on NATO by themselves, China's going to get in. So you know what? It now becomes World War III. And Vladimir Putin has already hinted, hey, I'll go nuclear if I have to. Right. So the question becomes, do we really – you know, there's a time for peace and a time for war. We're told this in scripture. Uh, is this the time for us to go ahead and step in and trigger very possibly World War III? Because if we don't, it means we're sitting on the sidelines and watching Ukraine be decimated and killed by Russia. It's like picking the lesser of the evils. And John, I got to tell you, I was kind of surprised. Most of my callers were saying, I don't care. It's time for World War III. Go in. Yeah. I was disagreeing. I was saying, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't think we should. I, we have to, we have to, we have to weigh, weigh evil versus That's evil. Right. And I don't That's think right. the answer is to go in and start World War III. As evil as it is that's going on right now, sometimes right. you, you you have to you have to pick your battles wisely yeah, and and so and but you know what and I was doing battle with my listeners yesterday but they were calling me soft and everything and it's like I so I was a little bit surprised what's your take on this I, I'm I'm on your side Bob I know I mean I know there's other things we differ on and we may talk about that even when it comes to the trucker convoy and such but mm-hmm. uh, you know the reality in this case no I'm on your side I don't think this is this is not our fight this is not our battle this also though folks is a is a show of the consequences of what happens when a country doesn't do its part to make sure it keeps other countries in check i.e. us and our own, you know, national security, the, you know, the price of oil and all the things we've talked about already are things we could have been doing to have prevented this in the first place. We didn't. We failed. I don't think we now, because we failed there, go back in and do what you just said. Now, could we, you know, could we get NATO to do some of those things? Could you, you know, could you supply more of the Ukrainians to do some of those things? By the way, they have their own drones and strikes and so on. So they've got the ability to do some of this as well. Whether they have enough of that to do that, I don't have an answer to. I am not an expert on what Ukraine has in their arsenal, you know, of, of weapons. I, I don't know. I have no idea what we, what we've supplied them and where they're at with that end of it. At all, they are not a NATO country. I think that's another thing other folks need to understand. You know, they're really on their own. They're not a NATO country. They're not a part of that conglomeration. They want to be. They applied to be, but right. at this point, they are not. Now, if they were, then of course it changes everything at that point in time, and maybe that's why you know NATO is waiting to see what happens to do that. I don't know. I, again, I don't know what's going through the minds of all those other you know foreign leaders and the folks of NATO and so on. Um, you know, what would a President Trump do right now? Again, I don't have that answer. I, I tend to think because he's he's sort of like, believe it or not, folks listening, he's more like Bob and I. He's not one that just wants to go engage and get into war to get into war. He's going right. to look at that very strategically. And I think in this particular case, Donald Trump would be agreeing with you and I, Bob. Yeah. Roger, what what do you think? I, I was honestly, I was surprised how many of my listeners were saying, you know, I don't care. It, it would be immoral. Here was a big argument that it would be immoral for us to sit on the sidelines 
and just watch that convoy go in there and decimate and kill a bunch of men, women, and children when we have the means to stop them right now and we're just choosing not to. Uh, that, that kind of, you know, Vladimir Putin, you know, there, there comes a time where we have to get involved. We got involved in World War II. There are times we have to get involved. And if we allow Vladimir Putin to continue and grow as he's doing right now, all this is going to do is set the stage for Taiwan is going to be next and we're empowering dictators. So it is time, even if it means World War III. That's what I was hearing. Uh, I, I, I still can't agree, but it's very painful to think about sitting on the sidelines knowing we can take out that convoy and we're just refusing to do it. So I get the emotion of it, but I just right. don't think it's the right decision. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, emotionally, you say, well, sure, we've got it. We can do drones. Let's just fire it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's take right. it out. And that, it'll be like the Israelis, you know, taking out these Iranian and Syrian, you know, uh, missiles that are coming and uh, weapons that are coming and, and surrounding the West Bank or whatever. But you uh, have to understand that when, every time that does happen, it gets a retaliatory strike. And do we have a drone shield there that's going to actually stop the missiles from coming in from the other side? Uh, you know, I think as Christians, it's it's always important to remember that, yes, we do have the full armor of God, but if you look at the armor of God that we're to put on for spiritual warfare, because we haven't really had a chance to talk, we're talking good military strategies, but let's not forget the fact, too, Ukraine is the leading, they're leading the league in uh, missionaries. I mean, this is this, it's a hotbed of Christian activity. I mean, the the gospel is alive. I was talking to Dr. Jim Dennison at Denison Forum last week. He said, it's the fifth great awakening, you know, going on between Afghanistan and Ukraine. And wouldn't you know it, the two countries that the U.S., appears to have abandoned militarily anyway and diplomatically are the two where Christianity is, is spreading like crazy in the Middle East and in Europe. So here we are looking now at this situation and saying we have the military strength. But, Bob, to your point, well, yeah, but you're you're pulling a thread on a big old garment. And if the, if the long game is, sure, we could win the battle and lose the war potentially, why do we want to usher that in? Now, is there a way that we can effectively help Ukraine? Do what they're what we're talking about doing. I think that's the better way to go. You know, to be the support, to be ready to you know provide the the resourcing they need, and acknowledging the fact too that this once the tanks started showing up, we should have started showing up. We didn't, so we're late to the dance. So we have to do play a little bit of catch up. But the idea that there are people even in the body of Christ who are saying just take them out. You know, we can we can knock them out easily, and that will solve the problem. It's very yeah. short-sighted, and it's very. It, I think it's very foolish. I don't like using that word a lot, but I think it. it it's, right. it's there's there's not a lot of discernment going on there, especially when you consider there is a physical battle here, but there's a spiritual battle going on as well. Yeah, pe- people don't people that say that they're they're not chess players. They don't understand that you play chess ten moves ahead. Right. You know, right. because here's what's going to happen if I do this, and this is even the no-fly zone. Okay, the, the, oh, we need to have a no-fly zone. Okay, but a no-fly zone has to be enforced. Yeah, right. right, and so what what that means is if we declare a no-fly zone and we don't enforce it, wow, we've just made ourselves that much weaker on the world right. stage. And if we do enforce it, that means shooting down Russian jets, Russian fighters, shooting them out of the sky. You don't think Vladimir Putin is going to retaliate? He retaliates. Then do we not retaliate? Of course we have to retaliate. No way China stays on the sideline at that point. And, here, and then who knows? North Korea would probably get involved and start uh, fighting on behalf of Russia as well. Do we really trust World War III with nuclear weapons in the hands of Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un? I know I don't, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you didn't have Iran and Syria join in as well in cases like so. And they're on the verge of going nuclear. So 
yeah, I, I think the potential exists here for one big mushroom cloud on planet Earth uh, if we try to have a no-fly zone or even try to take out that convoy. And we have to think about – but I'll be honest with you. There's a little bit of me that says, you know what, though? Hey, come Jesus, come. Maybe that will be the kind of thing that, that, that triggers Jesus coming and it's – you know. but no. I got I to gotta look at it and practically what's the right thing to do. Let's uh, – Let's do this because I want to take one more break. And then I want to ask you guys a spiritual angle on this. Uh, You'll see where I'm going to go with this coming up next as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Kind of winding down the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Uh, we'll have Neil Boron back with us next week, Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York, talking about all things Russia and Ukraine. You know, I wonder uh, if uh, if God doesn't have an active instead of a passive hand on on what's going on here. I mean, we know that God is sovereign in all things, of course, and so a bird doesn't fall to the ground without God's knowledge. But that doesn't mean that God is forcing that bird down to the ground with His hand. No, He creates gravity and lets gravity do the job uh, for the bird. And so I, I look at the situation going on in Ukraine, and I wonder if. God is taking a hands-off approach and letting the chips fall how they do in a natural sense, or if maybe God is intervening in some way on behalf of Ukraine and thwarting Vladimir Putin. And Roger, you're a pastor. I want to start with you on this. I was thinking about Gideon and Gideon's army and how God was ordering Gideon to reduce the size of his army uh, to make sure that God is the one who gets the glory for the victory and not Israel. And so I I mean, I don't know. I'm not declaring that's what I think is going on in Ukraine, but I can't help but wonder that you do have such a huge uh, Christian presence in Ukraine. You know these people are praying like crazy. Uh, you do have the president of Ukraine who's Jewish, although I don't think he's really seriously practicing Jewish, but, but still – uh, and I just can't help but what I look at that convoy. It's like they're lined up, but they're not going in. Did they run out of gas or what? Uh, where's the Russian drones? How can the Russian military not be – how can they one week later still be fighting this hard and having lost some reports up to you know five 6,000 people so far? Uh, they should be mopping up the floor with Ukraine in one or two days and they're not. And so it does make me wonder, is God maybe strengthening Ukraine in a Gideon's army kind of way and thwarting some efforts of the Russian army and Vladimir Putin doesn't even know it? I'm open to that possibility, but I'm not declaring that that's what's happening. But I'd love to get your take, Roger. Oh, I would, I would declare it. I mean, I, you, I could see really? it okay. describing it. Oh, absolutely. No question. I mean, when we see what's happening here, let's face it. I mean, the, de- the fancy definition of the sovereignty of God can be boiled down pretty simply. God, sovereignty in God means God always gets what he wants. Full stop. 
Always right. gets it. Now, it's, it, we fight against it, and sometimes it takes a while for it to actually manifest, but that's not because of him. That's because of us. And in the same way, he called tens of thousands of warriors, boiled them down to 300, and they were victorious. I mean, in the same way, look, look at what's happening spiritually in Ukraine, and then look at what's happening militarily in Ukraine. Should the Russia, should the most elite sniper assassination team in the world not have been able to take out a comic actor who was on a reality show? I mean, of course they should have been able to, but they can't. Are, how many pictures have you seen of missiles, little small bombs and things like that that were launched? And you hear reports from Christian missionaries and pastors saying, we hear the explosion or the sound going off, but we don't hear an explosion. They land and they don't detonate. I mean, the Russian army is bringing in weaponry that won't work, basically. How is that happening? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is state of the art. This is best of the best. There are too many things happening in Ukraine right now that have God's hand all over them to where we can't look at this and say, well, I mean, there there must be something going on. And and the idea for us as Christians, I don't expect the world to get it. I'm like, Bob, when you were talking about your listeners yesterday and John, you know, some of your listeners uh, having those same sentiments, that's a little heartbreaking to me as a Christian because it's like, guys, we have to look at two, you know, there's two different battles going on here. I mean, there's the military battle, obviously, with a 40 mile, you know, 200,000 troops and, you know, the death and destruction that's coming into Kiev and, and other larger cities and smaller ones too. But then there's also the spiritual warfare that says, look, if God is using this military struggle to bring more attention to himself and to his strength and to his power, kings and kingdoms are going to pass away. We know that. Um, so whether it's Vladimir Putin today or you know, China tomorrow or whatever, we know that ultimately this is all part of God's redemption and restoration plan. I think it's kind of cool to watch what's happening with the church and to get the reports coming out of Ukraine of, you know, people coming to faith and people withstanding attack. And, you know, like the one uh, Ukrainian soldier who uh, booby-trapped the, the bridge and video and say, hey, you know what, you're not taking us and, you know, took out a whole uh, flank of Russian, you know, artillery guys or whatever. It was it, It's inspiring to see these people who say, I'm fighting for a cause that's greater than just my flag. And yet at the same time, it's pretty inspired, like the one, uh, uh, the translator the other day who was moved to tears at the end of President Zelensky's speech and mm-hmm. couldn't go on just because right. she was saying this. It was so moving. It was so powerful. And that's a tough enough job anyway, translating from one language to another in something, a situation this important. Mm-hmm. But as we translate the signs of the times and see what's happening here, I, I would hope that we in the body of Christ would be inspired. I mean, I, I, obviously there's that potential threat for danger and violence and we've got weapons that we can you know deploy from here that would take out russian tanks they've got weapons they could deploy here and take out washington dc i mean so we 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 know that that game is real and we know that the u.s has actually played a part in allowing nations like russia and iran and syria to develop these weapons unchecked so understanding the whole playing field physically militarily and spiritually and financially um, it's a great time to be alive. I want the Lord to come back as badly as you guys do. But as we watch what he's doing right now, just let God show off in Ukraine a little bit. Just enjoy it. Hmm. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm, I am very open uh, to the possibility that that there is something supernatural going on in in Ukraine. You may very well be right because there is no doubt in the natural, it doesn't make sense that Putin would be as thwarted as he is, uh, I mean, I even uh, I've seen some news stories now that are saying, "Where is where's Putin's air power? Where are his drones? H- how how can he you know how can they be a- as weak and neutered as they are in their fighting? They should be way more powerful than this." And I'm like, boy, you know, I wonder if something's going on here. I wonder if God is is just thwarting 
Putin's army here and there, and Putin doesn't even know the source of why everything is going wrong for him. But I don't know. John, what do you think? Could very well be, because I think the other thing that's happening, and I think it's even part of what could be going on with the convoy that stalled, I think you know, this is, in a lot of cases, brother fighting brother, cousin fighting cousin. And I think some of these guys, some of the Russian troops are looking at this saying, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? This isn't what, right. this isn't what I want to do. And, you know, let's face it, some of those guys are going to be Christians. They're going to be looking at this saying, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Because this just doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right, and it's not right. And we've seen stories along those lines where, you know, the Russians have, have just almost laid down arms at times. And, you know, is that is that all the Lord? Is it part of it the Lord? Is part of it these guys not wanting to kill, you know, cousin, brother, family member, whatever the case may be? Guys, I don't know, but I think Putin's got a real problem on his hand in that whole morale end of things, and I think that's partly why that convoy is stalled right now. Yeah. yeah well, you know what? I, just, I think it makes a lot of sense. I really do. Final uh, final questions. We kind of wind this down. Uh, does this end up being a war crimes situation here, John? What do you think? Does the yes. international criminal co- – and yes. by the way, I'm not a fan of the ICC, quite frankly, because I don't I don't really right. like the idea of that. You know, they're pretty liberal left-wing and, and whatever, and I don't want them telling the United States what to do. Uh, but it seems to me that this could rise to the level of international war crimes for Putin. Yeah, I think so, and I think if he's if he doesn't handle things correctly, and this also <clears throat> may be another reason for this stalled convoy, is he may be really evaluating, you know, what's his future look like, not only in Russia, but around the world. Keep in mind, there are, there are rumors out there that this is the richest man in the entire world, especially when you look at the cash reserves he's got. I mean, there's a lot of rich people out there, Bezos and, and Buffett and, and others, but a lot of that is in stock and assets and stolen. Putin actually has cash, billions, billions of it, they claim. And, you know, this guy, I think, has a lot at stake. And I think he's really, more, if he's smart, which he's, he is, he's, he's not the dumbest guy on the planet, um, there's times I think he does very dumb things like this, but trust me, I think he's really evaluating what are his next moves and how does what you just said, Bob, play into that. Trust me, this guy's looking at all angles, and again, that may be another reason why this this convoy is stalled as well. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Roger, what do you think? Uh, final thought: Is this a war crimes thing for you know, international criminal court kind of thing for Putin? I I tend to think so. I think so too. I mean, when, when we're thinking like Americans who are uh, conservatives who believe in the Constitution and we want, and, and also the rule of law and real godly justice, uh, whether the ICC will agree with that, it remains to be seen. We've seen with some of the other terrorist attacks uh, how reluctant they are to drag somebody into the mix. But I think overall, yeah, it, it's clearly a case of doing so. And the question is, what kind of statement needs to be made? I mean, at the end of the day, I, it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that Russia answers to China and not the other way around. I don't think there's any, you know, there, that whole uh, brotherly hug right before the Beijing Winter Olympics. Uh, right. No one was fooled by that. I mean, China, the, as I said before, this is the undercard and the main event mm-hmm. is China and Taiwan. So the idea that, uh, that, that, that Putin is kind of becoming, taking on the great Satan moniker in terms of, you know, the ICC, I, Probably not. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happened. Ultimately, though, there, we, we are moving closer and closer. It's been fun to read a lot of Bible prophecy. You know, is this no, time? No. <laughs> well, right. no, it's, you know, the, the, we got the Gog and Magog thing and Russia's going to invade. But it's Israel who's the target, not, uh, you know, Ukraine right now. But right. are these birth pangs? Are this wars and rumors? Absolutely. And 
Uh, it's exciting and it's a, a little daunting at, at the same time, but there's no court on earth that's going to mete out the kind of justice that God ultimately will. And uh, woe to those who are on the wrong side and uh, yay for those of us who are uh, claiming our faith and, uh, and our victory, knowing that when we look into our judge's face, we're going to see our Savior. And when he looks at our faces, he's not going to see us and our sin. Mm-hmm. He's going to see Jesus and our lives Amen. forgiven. Absolutely, absolutely. Great last word. Uh, folks, we would certainly encourage everybody, though, uh, be praying for the people of Ukraine. Uh, yes. Be praying for, certainly there's a lot of Christians over there, uh, they're praying, but we need to be praying for them and for everybody, Christian and non-Christian alike. Pray for a leadership and safety for Volodymyr Zelensky, the president, uh, as well as the mayor of Kiev and, and the Russian, everybody and the over there. the Christian Russians as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. You know what? That's a very good point. You're right. You're right. Because uh, there are a lot of uh, Christians in Russia as well that uh, they have to be really conflicted with what's going on mm-hmm. and, and such. So just be praying that God would have his way in everything that's going on. And folks, we always appreciate you tuning in and listening to us. Don't forget you can uh, listen to previous episodes at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher. Tune in wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, we always appreciate you folks listening. And we look forward to having Neil Boron back with us next week. Roger Marsh, John Rush, great talking to you guys. Look forward to next week. Likewise, Bob. You bet. We'll see you. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thanks for joining us. The first half of the podcast can be heard each week on this Crawford Media Group station. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. The National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. This is a Crawford Media Group production.